Welcome to Sports Girls Podcast, brought to you by sportstalk.ie. Our podcast will be available every Monday covering the 2019 ladies football and camogie seasons. You can find our podcast on all online platforms by searching Sports Girls Podcast. Stay tuned to Sports Talk this year via the hashtag GAA Family as we continue our promotion of hurling, football and camogie. Welcome to this week's Sports Girls podcast. I'm Denise O'Flaherty and joining me this evening is former All-Ireland winning Mayo captain Diane O'Hora and we have Tipperary's Ashdeen Maloney. Now everyone should know about Ashdeen's football talents but last weekend against Cork she scored a remarkable 2-9 and in that tally she scored an exceptional goal. So I look forward to chatting to Ashdeen later on about that goal and just about life in general. So um, what we normally do now at this stage is actually we go through the weekend's games. Um, Galway, Diane, had a great win over Mayo in Castlebar on Saturday night in Division 1. Peter Lee, though, is giving Mayo players a chance, you know, bringing on so many new players and giving them an opportunity. Yeah, um, it was a great game and everyone that said it said it was probably the game of the day. The Mayo men and Galway men were playing afterwards. Um, you know, Mayo... Mayo, in fairness, they're developing a panel, I guess, after, you know, the exit of um, players last year. And they've got in probably over a dozen players that never even represented the county at underage. So I think in terms of development, they're really going, they're making great strides. They're only six points from Galway, um, you know, by the way that the game ended um, yesterday. But, you know, when you look at it, the fact that they've tried 35 players um, over the league, I mean, it just goes to show that all that chopping and changing hasn't really affected their performance. So it's really, really strong in terms of development. Galway are as strong as ever, like their forwards are firing on all cylinders. They played a really good sweeper system um, and, you know, how they use the sweeper on the, the open flanks uh, worked very well against Mayo, but they seemed to catch on to it in the second half. The one thing I will say, though, for all of the games in Division 1 and in all of the divisions, it's credit to the players. Cause the conditions this weekend were horrendous yeah. with gale force winds and the rain and soft pitches. But, um, you know, most of them got to be played off. But, yeah, yeah, the Mayo and Gaul game was excellent, actually. Also, on a Saturday evening, we had um, Donegal and um, Tipperary in Division 1. Ashley, great credit to you, as Diane said, for actually playing the game. It must have been horrendous conditions. Just two points in it in the end. Um, yeah, yeah, I suppose, look, it was two points in the end, but I suppose, um, Tipperary can be kind of happy with their performance going up. I suppose you're missing five of the girls who have started with us against Cork. But um, I suppose Donegal are an amazing outfit. Obviously, they're top of Division 1 league table this year. So going up there, a lovely five-hour journey up um, that day. But, um, but um, yeah, no, it was great. It was great to come that close. And I suppose, look, if luck turned their way in the day, we could have come away with a win. But credit to Donegal, they're an excellent side. Yeah, because you can see it now at the top, it's, it's tight there. You've got Donegal and obviously Galway, the two unbeaten sides. Also in Division 2, and you know these teams yourself, um, Ashton, Armagh made it four wins from four with a three-point win over Tyrone, and it looks as if Armagh will more than likely get promoted. Yeah, and it's actually quite interesting looking back at Cavan the last, from last year, even or they've been in the final the last three years, I think. And it's amazing to think how you would think Cavan will be there again, again this year, for instance, and Carry her back down, relegate Division 2 as well, and you, I would have expected them to up there as well. So it just goes to show the quality that is in Division 2 and how hard it is to get out of it. 
But um, yeah, no, the shaping up nicely. I'm all looking at the top of the table. Yeah, Diane. Then on Sunday, uh, Cork got back to winning ways. Um, they had a very good win over Monaghan, five seventeen to one four. Monaghan have a new manager in there, and I suppose for him, it's kind of getting his own stamp on things. And then Dublin, um, as expected, beat Westmead five points in it at the end. Yeah, like Dublin have, you know, it seems like they've got their full panel back and have them named as um, on the panel as well for these games. So they're looking to finish very strongly in the league and assure themselves of a semi-final and final position. Um, you know, Westmead will struggle against a team like Dublin, but the other side of that is it was quite low scoring, so the conditions had a huge impact on the game on the day. Um, and, you know, there's only, only five points in it. So Westmead will probably take something very positive from that as well. Um, Monaghan, on the other hand, you know they're having a tough, tough time this this campaign, and I don't believe Cork have their more Abbey players back yet. But to score five seventeen, you know, in in any type of conditions, you know, it's obviously very tough for Monaghan to get the ball out. Um, but it's probably a game again of two halves, and it just looks like Cork are really trying to set themselves up. Like the Mayo and Cork game will be really important as well in terms of points on the table. Exactly. Um, to try and try and reach a semi-final because you know both are under pressure to win all their last games. In Division Two, um, Ashley, you already alluded to Cavan. They were defeated by Waterford by a point. Um, a lot of new players. Ashley Sheridan was in last week, and she was saying to us that you know the average age of their forward line is twenty. They've lost a lot of players, so I suppose for them it's a bit like yourselves. They're building on something. Yeah, I suppose it's brilliant to see really that Cavan, both Cavan and Waterford, are they have they have lost a lot of players from last year. But um, I suppose credit to our management as well because you kind of can't continue on with the same players playing the whole time. So I feel like they're kind of taking an opportunity um, this league to Kavanagh to um, bring on their younger players and give them a bit of experience. But it's early days yet as well. I'm not sure. I don't think they've won, they've won one game yet. But um, sure there's, there's still two weekends left for, for them there to, get, to grasp the win. Yeah, exactly. Then two games were called off in Division 2, Clare and Leash and Wexford and Kerry. Division 3, I was at this game um, myself. Me had a very good win over Longford. Longford could take a lot of positives out of this game, but me, just Diane, played some fantastic football and it's no surprise that they're favourites to come out of that. Um, I'll go through the other results then. Sligo defeated Wicklow by seven points, Roscommon beat down and then Kildare and Offaly were postponed. Yeah, like Sligo seem to be building very nicely the whole way. Like Wicklow are a very good side, and Sligo are doing better week on week it seems, and they're they're getting good results. Um, and I'd say they'd be definitely looking for a final position. Roscommon and Down, you know, Down had to travel to that game. Down are still developing, um, you know, year on year as well, and they'd be just looking for improvements, you know, before they go into championship. Roscommon, you know, scoring one seven again. That's Roscommon seem to be getting a trademark goal, goals in all of their games, so. Um, they also look to be improving, and I'd say like along with them, you know, you'll have Mead in the top of the table. Like Mead will, you know, they scored five twelve against Longford, yeah. but as you say, Longford scoring one twelve. Yeah. You know, Mead are scoring well goals win games, as you know we we often say. But you know, with the four goals just being the difference, it's four kicks of a ball, and yeah. you know, when someone can kind of protect their goal that little bit better, um, it puts it puts other teams in a position where they have to try and score the points. And from the Longford side. Um, and on Mead's side, um, alternatively, you're looking at the fact that, you know, there was 13 scores scored against mm. Mead. And Mead seem to be letting as many scores through as they are actually taking on the other end. So, um, yeah, there's, it's going to be very interesting, but Mead look by far the strongest team in that division. They, they should win it. Good news for Longford as well, Diane, and a player that you know well. Jacinta Brady is back with the county and she scored two fantastic points. You know what Jacinta can do. Yeah, like... 
and you know Longford are just developing really you could say they've you know they've within the Sheridan and there they've done a whole load yeah. of rejigging you know out you know canvassing the clubs to get players in and then to develop them from there they're making huge strides and since Brady sure she'll run all day for them in fairness I'm imagining that she was midfield because there's nowhere else you put her and to be scoring points as well from play from midfield because she's not a free taker um, it just shows now that she's going to be a, a player to watch uh, you know throughout the rest of this league yeah, in Division 4, uh, Derry scored, I know it was against Kilkenny, but Derry scored 4.28 um, against Kilkenny. Kilkenny won 8, but 4.28 is a fantastic score to put up. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, I would feel, you know, sorry for the keeper in defence, you know, from the opposition. You know, what do they have to do to try and get the ball out? And sometimes it's conditions players are trying to kick a ball in the breeze and God knows whatever else. And you really just have to carry it and break the tackles. Um, but what a score to put up like Derry are really doing very very well but like no more than Antrim I think in the same division against Limerick um, they scored 4-8 yeah. so you know they're really they're really getting in there on top of goals on top of the keeper for goals opportunities and um, some fine scores put up like in that division yeah and it's all new for Leitrim as well um, Ashley, a new manager in there Gavin Cawley um, after what happened last year it's great to see Leitrim back beaten by a goal again uh, yesterday for Manor beat them and I suppose you know for Gavin it's just getting that win and getting a bit of a bit of a run together Yeah I suppose look for any manager getting into a new team it's kind of just getting the team together in the first year I suppose you kind of wouldn't be planning to want to win too much and just get the kind of atmosphere going good in the camp and stuff like that so look they're moving in an upright direction um, losing to Fermanagh by a goal so there's only a kick of a ball in it really so um, I suppose there's a lot of positives they can take from that going forward but um, no, great credit due to Gavin Cawley getting involved in this year as well and getting things back on track up there. Yeah, because you probably know Gavin from his time with uh, DCU. And then in another game, Louth and Carlo, which would have been a, a cracking game, that was called off due to the weather. Now, Ashley, it's fantastic to have you um, on the podcast this evening. I mentioned your goal earlier. Come on, was it a fluke? or tell, Please tell me that you were meant to do that. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, I, didn't, I didn't mean to. It was a kind of... The ball came in and it just whatever way I hit the ball in, so I'm going into the back of the net. So, um, no, credit due to Brie Connor for kicking the ball in fairness. The ball that she kicked in was nearly peach perfect. Um, you couldn't, you couldn't draw it if it happened. But, um, now look, the ball came in and I just said I'd have a chance off it. Um, took my chance and luckily went into the back of the net. So, um, it's an awful pity that Gaelic goals. Uh, aren't in the running for uh, the Puskas Awards because remember Stephanie Roach's goal the internet was uh, catapulted that and got her into the, the, the final three for that goal you know we could have got your goal did you see it Diane? Jerome Quinn for anyone who wants to see it um, yeah, recorded it I'd say there's thousands of people and I'd be saying to Ashton send Jerome a quick text and say cheers to that buddy because <laughs> you're, 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 you're on a public forum giving um, Bridge all the uh, all the, I suppose, plaudits for sending such a inch-perfect pass in, which is incredible as well. But, like, from watching it myself, um, you know, and you probably always say, like, luck is kind of, luck happens when talent meets hard work. And, I mean, there's not many players that would pull it off. And I'd almost certainly say that you meant to do it. You may not have <laughs> exactly meant to go, uh, but I would say you, you knew what you were doing by uh, trying to... Would you have tried it now, off. Diane, something yeah. like that? Our shrive scored... I couldn't tell you how many of those to me. Uh, yeah. like, money. But there was no, like, cam- there was no cameras around that time. Sorry. That's the problem. Yeah, that that was. Me. <laughs> so that's what I was saying. You know, it's great. Like even looking at it now, the amount of um, social media yeah. having air sports, TG Cahar, 
um, having your own Facebook live game streaming, like it's absolutely incredible what's happened. And we've, if you weren't at that game, you'd have never have gotten to see it. And that's like a magic moment in ladies football that I would imagine that they'll be putting up on, you know, presentations throughout the year because it's it was spectacular that goal. I love how laid back you are about it all. Um, yeah, well, look, I suppose, um, looking back on myself, it probably, it, it looked well for everyone else, like, looking back and saying it turns out and it looked well, but um, I suppose it could happen in the right moment of the game for us, and, yeah, it was perfect time nearly. I think we were about five points or six points down at that time, so it ended up being a good score in the end, but, um, yeah, no, I don't know, I'm actually getting so much tagging from it now, so I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if it was worth it in the end, the tagging I'm getting going around today, but... Look, it was brilliant. Um, at the end of the day, we got a goal, and it was a plus size for us in Tipperary. And I suppose, you know, these things happen, and it was a fluke on the day. And credit to Brie Connor for giving in such a good ball into me. She hadn't done that, the, probably the goal wouldn't have been gone in. So, I have to give the credit to her for the ball that she passed in. How are you finding life in Division One? In all fairness, now you've made this fantastic one in the last couple of years. Division Three, Division Two, and now playing Division One football with the top teams in Ireland. Yeah, it's, I suppose it's been a very kind of um, a surreal run, really, going from Division 3 to Division 2 to winning Intermediate and then going to Division 2. And now we see ourselves up in Division 1 playing Intermediate. So um, it's been quite an exciting run. But, um, yeah, I know we're loving it. We're loving the challenge as a team together. I suppose we're playing against some of the best teams and players in the country. And, look, our aim this year is to try to stay up in Division 1. And if that happens, well and good. And if it doesn't, look, we'll, we'll recoup and um, um, get ourselves together again. But... Personally, I'm really enjoying the challenge. I just love playing against the best teams in the country, and I suppose it's the only way you're going to improve your own football and skills as well um, as a player and as a person. So it's really exciting. And for you guys, um, Ashley, like you, you know, as we know, you can up through the divisions fairly quickly, like from Division Three to Two into One straight away. And um, like, you know, as a like as a group, did you do that by you know saying to yourselves, okay, right, we need to get out of this division. That's our goal at the start of the league. Or, you know, did your manager play all his, I suppose, more familiar top players during that time to do it? Or how did you do that? Because I know, like, you could make two you could make two choices. Play all your top players that you're familiar with and you know will give you what you want or actually incorporate new players in to develop them along the way. Or how did you get the balance right to be so successful? Um, I suppose in Division 3, um, he probably, our manager probably took that approach in playing probably his best team. Um, Division two, then look everything. I kind of I describe us as a very kind of a cool bunch. Um, we kind of don't expect anything too big, and if we win, it's kind of like on to the next game. We don't really think about anything, and it's kind of a roller roller coaster year for the league for us last year in Division two. But um, I suppose look, um, last year we started using different players and giving people a chance, and I suppose that helped us going forward into the senior championship this year. And even for instance, now at the weekend, um, he gave everyone a run. He left five of our starting players at home and. You brought it on everyone and gave everyone a chance. And I think that's the only way that you're going to progress forward as a team and challenge different teams and better teams. Um, there's no point putting out your same team every week because eventually it's going to come to an end. Players get older, players get injured, and eventually it's going to all come to a halt. So I think it's really important for managers to give the younger players a chance and give them experience. And the league is the right time to do it. Like I know everyone wants to win the league and they want they don't want to be relegated, but it's a perfect opportunity to um to give your younger players the experience. Last year yeah. was a strange year for you when you think of it. The high of beating Cavan in that Division 2 final, 7-day Amrad, and it was a great game of football. And then Cavan got the revenge in the cruelest of ways by relegating you to intermediate football. 
Yeah, look, I suppose um, it went from such a high to such a low all of a sudden. Um, considering we were kind of quite, although we lost our senior um, games during the summer, we were quite happy with how we did. Um, we ran most of them to about five points, which we were quite happy for our first year of senior, but we ended up facing Cavan then in a relegation battle and um, have to give have, have to get our hats off to them and fair play to them. Um, we were up nine points last time. They brought it back and won it, so they deserve to be up there. Um, in senior as well and it's a pity to see probably people might be disappointed that Tipperary are gone back down but look that's the look of the draw um, if we were good enough we would have stayed up clearly we weren't good enough so I suppose we just have to deal with the cards we're dealt with now but I suppose it was a bit of a lull at the end of the year um, after our run and being so happy with it and then having to go down but look these things happen we'll recoup this year and concentrate maybe now and staying up in Division 1 hopefully and then look at the Monster Championship and try to have a crack off that. Yeah, because I was going to say to you, with Division 1 and with Shane giving so many players their opportunity in Division 1, he's probably looking at long term and, and it is the summer and obviously the Monster Championship first and the Intermediate. Yeah, um, look, I suppose at the minute he's kind of a manager who only kind of takes one master time. He doesn't look too far ahead. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that's why we kind of, as a group, are the same, same. we have the same mentality. We only take one game at a time. We don't look too far ahead. Um, I suppose coming back down from senior last year, people might think, oh, Tipperary, you know, they should be in all Ireland final. We have no right to be back in all Ireland final. You know, we have to win our Munster first and beat teams here in Munster, and then whatever comes after that for us is a plus. So at the minute, we've, we haven't even been looking forward to championship. We're looking at league hoping to stay up and get the best performances we can in each game. And then after that, then we look forward to our first round of our month's championship and try to get a win there and take things from there and see where it takes us. Speaking and if you're looking then, Ashley, if you're looking at, you know, what teams, you know, that you would be keeping an eye on in Intermediate Championship, um, you know, who would you be tipping right now to be a very, very strong potential opponent? Um, I think I think Claire and Munster are always, um, they always put up a great battle. They're always quite strong. Um, but I suppose, you have to give credit due to me being there last year. Um, I think they're definitely contenders for the All Ireland this year. So I suppose everyone's looking out for them and um, in the intermediate championship and keeping an eye on them and what they what they're doing. So I think that everyone I think Mead are the ones who watching out for. Do you know any of the Mead players then from from DCU? I do. Yeah, I play with um, Avian Cleary and Vicky Wall. Um, it's got <laughs> we'd be slagging. We'd be best. Best Mead players. Yeah, we'd be slagging that we'd be slagging each other in training and stuff, but um, it's only a bit of friendly ranting now. I wouldn't be anything too hard. <laughs> but um, I know they're great. They're excellent. Like um, they're brilliant players, Avine and Vicky. Um, they're brilliant players. Not only are they brilliant players, they're brilliant people off the field as well. So, um, it's nice that college environment brings that. You know, you end up playing with people one day and you're playing against them the next day. It's strange, but I suppose that's how it is, and I suppose it makes it all more exciting. Speaking of former players, um, but she'll be back for you, Ashley McCarthy, your um, Tipperary uh, teammate, making a real name for herself in Australia. Um, a lot of people have actually said it to me, because you would be classed, and we're not just saying it myself, and Diane would say it, as one of the top players in Ireland. Um, would you consider going down under? I know you're so young yourself, and you probably have lots um, of plans, but would you consider going down playing football in Australia? Yeah, look, um, to be honest, I have been in contact with um, people over there and they have been on to me about it, but to be honest, I actually have no real interest in it at the minute. Um, I'm still two years after college, so I kind of want to get that done and out of the way first um, before I go over there. But in an overall kind of picture, I don't really have much interest. Um, things are so exciting here back in Chip at the minute with Andre and stuff coming through. I'm kind of 
it's nearly like a drug. You can't really leave it that easy. But um, yeah, no, definitely. Maybe when college is over and stuff like that, I might take a look into it. But for the moment, for the next three or four years anyway, um, I don't really have much interest. According to Sarah Rowe, I think you need to be able to do press ups, um, <laughs> fitness assessments, actually. So, oh, yeah, she lets the cat out of the bag anyway, Laura. She's told a good few um, stories about me now that got me in trouble. But, um, yeah, I know my press ups, my press ups now are coming, on like, coming along nicely. Yeah. And all you've done in 2017 to get onto the field to console her, and this is what she does to you. I know, Sarah, yeah, terrible. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was something mentioned as well about Ashley's um, inability to lift the weight. Yeah, oh. no, actually, there's there's a story behind that. Um, our strength and conditioning coach actually a tip this year. We do a test, obviously, at the start of the year. And one of them was a push-up test. And I was like, oh, God, like, I knew in my head I could barely do half. But I said, I'll try to do one. So anyway, I went down and I did one press-up. And he was like, you're joking me. And I was like, no, I'm I'm not. This is I actually can't do them. So um, he said, he set a standard for me then. He wants me to be two now for my next one. So that was about three or four months ago and I only tried in the gym there tonight with the girls and I still couldn't do one so I'd say that's progressing quite well anyway getting off as agony inside and training it's brilliant oh my god you know and <laughs> we thought Diane that she was like supergirl and look at now yeah, you've got you've is. got flaws Ashley you've got flaws but but this is the thing like maybe maybe all of this strength conditioning and all of this nutrition diet all this stuff maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be either True. So, you know, when, let's say we compare Ashley, she'd be in the top five players in the country. Like, when you're looking at that, and she's, you know, in a position where she can turn around and say that, no, nah, I'm not so mad for the push-ups and so on and so forth. Like, there's but a lot she has her past and chicken and all that, yeah, Ashley, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, no chocolate bars or chippers or Chinese. But just elaborate on what Anne said there. I suppose, like, I actually was on holidays, they were asking Desmond and she was laughing at me. She was going to the gym and she was like, are you going to come to the gym? And I, like, in my head I was like, cheekers, I don't know, even know where to start inside the gym. Like, well, how do you even squat? Like, what do you put on the squat bar? What even is the squat bar? But um, she was laughing at me being like, are you coming to the gym? And I said, no, um, I don't really do the gym. Like, <laughs> she started laughing at me. But I suppose the way I think of that is like, not that I don't believe in it, but um. I think everyone to their own, everyone has yeah. their own way of kind of preparing and what they believe in. And it's not that I don't believe in nutrition, like I'm not, I don't grow any tippers out every day this week, but it's not that I don't believe in it. I suppose I just kind of know what kind of suits me and what suits my body. And I suppose um, everyone to themselves, like I know some of my friends will be going to the gym nearly every day of the week and I look at them being like, you're nuts, like, but then they're looking at me being like, you're crazy. You're, you're not even doing anything like, but um, I suppose whatever you, suits, doesn't it? Um, I wouldn't say it works now. I don't know. <laughs> I'd say I'll end up getting a fright one of these days. But um, like at the minute, at the minute, I just feel I don't feel my body's able for it. Um, if I had to do some of the training that I know my friends are doing, I know that my body wouldn't be able to live up for it. But but I suppose your body has to get used to it as well. And my body hasn't been put to that yet. But um, I know in years to come now, when the old days start kicking in, maybe like yourselves, you know, you have to get oh. out and. Um, <laughs> You know, I'll have to get out and get out that squat bar and start learning how to squat and lift a few weights. But um, at the minute, I'm not too Diane, concerned about it. Can you get on to Sarah now and find out if she's any more stories on, on Ashley well, after that dig she had at us? Well, just, just after <laughs> that dig um, from Ashley, like, you know, from, from Sarah's experience with living with her in college, oh. I think when we talk about the fright that one player can give another in terms of, you know, how, you know, how obsessed they are about football and prep for it and you know, all their diet, nutrition and so on and so forth. I think um, Sarah Rowe got the shock of her life when she saw 
that one of Ashleen, uh, Ashleen's pre-match meals the night before was a Chinese and another day she was cooking dinner for herself and it was a bag of frozen peas on a pan. <laughs> so, yeah, but, she hangs me out to join that one. Can't get yeah, she might things. be right. I'm sure you No, actually, the, fir- the first time I met there, actually, um, I was, we were living in the house, we are kind of in the same apartment and she came over and she was like, kind of looking in, I wonder what, like expecting to see a big stir fire or something or, I don't know, some curry dish or something. She was like, I wonder what you're um, cooking there. So she, she came on over to me anyway and she looked into the pan and here I was flipping, flinging the peas like over and back and she just burst out laughing and she was like, you're not well, you're one of a kind. But um, yeah, I suppose, look, it's gas. Like they'd be heading off to training and I'd be sitting there. I'd be sitting there with my McDonald's and stuff. But I don't do it. It's only, it's only occasional now. I don't do it the whole time around. Right. <laughs> just to get that out there. Yeah, because I was trying to know what your whole pre-match routine is like, you know. What mu- do you actually listen to music um, before a game? Because I know the way you go by certain dressing rooms and some of the music you're kind of going, oh, mother of God, where did they get this? Do you do anything like that before a game? Um, my pre-match, my pre-match kind of routine is kind of very strange. Um, it's probably the way I put it. Um, my breakfast consists of probably a Weetabix. No matter what time of the day the match is on, it could be 7 or 8 o'clock. It has to be a Weetabix. And it's not even that it's, I have to have a wheat bix. That's just my breakfast every day anyway. I just have a wheat bix and I don't, I feel like I get a stitch if I eat any time after that. So that's what my breakfast will consist of. And I suppose before matches, um, like I kind of, I don't like being surrounded by seriousness. Um, I like to have the crack, even in the warmth and stuff. I like to be laughing and stuff because I know if I get too serious with the game, then I end up getting caught up in nerves and all. Yeah. And um, I suppose, look, I grew up through secondary school, um, kind of being hard on myself. Um, when you're younger you kind of go out every day in a game and you kind of play well and then comes this day where you play bad and you don't know how to deal with it so I suppose through secondary school I kind of learned and kind of had my brain channeled to in order for me to not get nervous about games and stuff like that I kind of have to like remove myself from a certain environment so if I'm in the dressing beforehand and if it's too serious for me or like if people are being too jittery for me I know I have to get out of there, so often what I do is go into the physio and laugh away and have the chat with the physio about the current news and stuff like that. But um, look, I suppose everyone, everyone has different ways of dealing with their pre-match routine, but for me, definitely, I don't like taking things too seriously. Um, everything with me is kind of a laugh and a joke, even the warmth and stuff like that, so that's how I would do it anyway. Is that something that you would actually advise some young players, you know, what you're saying, to, you know, don't be so hard on yourself because I find even in underage games and, you know, we're meant to say it's a sport and it's meant to be fun games and that. But, you know, youngsters can put an awful lot of pressure on themselves. Yeah, and like I suppose that's what I did when I was younger as I was growing up. Um, I put an awful, like it's it's your own self-pressure that you're putting on yeah. yourself. It's no one else. And I suppose people like often when I was growing up, I used to worry about what I did in a game or like if I played bad, I used to be thinking about that for weeks afterwards. And eventually I actually kind of, I knew I could channel my brain because it was getting to, getting to me too much. And then I began to realize that, look, sport is a hobby. I'm playing it for enjoyment. I'm not playing it to crucify myself or torture after a game of what I did bad or what I did good or if I should have done that or could have done that. The famous words, should have, could have, would have, as I say, um, after a game. But look, um, I suppose I went through years of actually kind of two or three years maybe being very hard and critical on myself and, I just kind of think, what's the point? Like, if after a game, if you do something wrong, you look back, it's the past. There's nothing you can do about it. If you're in the game and you make a mistake, if it's five minutes into the game, you have 55 minutes to make up for it. The next ball that comes in, and I suppose 
you can make up after the game then if you're looking back at your mistakes. You can think for it next weekend and try um correct the mistakes. So I suppose in terms of that, if I ever um do something poorly in the game or I'm not happy with my performance, I leave it at the dressing room. I go into the dressing room, I think about it for two minutes and write that's done now, pass next weekend and move on because there's no point whatsoever in reflecting back on it because it's getting nowhere. It's negative thoughts in your head, creating a negative mood then um, going forward into the week, whether it's work or whatever you're doing. Like sport affects your mood outside of outside of sport. Like yeah. so you go into work and you can be moody after playing a bad game. So I suppose there's much more like things surrounding life other than sport. Yeah, like it's amazing. We all play it, we enjoy it. Like big massive big massive part of who I am, um uh, in life and stuff. But I suppose like at the end of the day if you make a mistake in the game, you can't just rewind it and go back and change it. So what I give say to young players is just uh you know, nerves and stuff like that. I used to hate the saying in a dressing beforehand if a manager ever said, If you don't have nerves you don't care and I was sitting there and I was like, I don't have nerves in my head. I was saying to myself, but I fully care about this game. So I suppose I think nerves and stuff like that um, can just cause a lot of self-pressure and stuff like that. And reflecting on games after matches and all, um, I think you should just let it at the dress, leave it at the dressing room and move forward and be positive for the following game next yeah, week. I'd love, to be, I'd love to be at that because there's times when I've been so hard myself, even in match reports and that. And Diane, I know yourself, there's times when you have said to me about, about games and you've been hard on yourselves and it's something that we have to get out of we have to get get that out of ourselves of being hard on ourselves as Ashley said you know just that's it move on yeah like what I probably I suppose experienced from my side as a as a coach and I suppose having been a player before obviously you do your own worst critic like you absolutely are and and you know just what we've often talked about it's like as a coach or a manager like when you've made a decision and you, no matter what it is, you tend to get criticism from parents, from family, from clubs, everyone, if you've lost. If you won, they probably feel they don't have, yeah. you know, anything to stand on in terms of blaming you because you've won. And, like, it just shows, like, that, you know, what Ashley is saying there, it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah. You know, you don't need the pressure. It's a game. You play it for fun. And, like, no matter what happens, everyone makes mistakes, but, like, probably we'll always say, like, as coaches or managers, like, you just control the controllables. But the one thing that I, I like even want to know from that is actually like, you know, do you just play for do you just play for fun or like what motivates you the family, community, club, like the the girls in your on your panel, like what are, what are the things that you do it for? Um, well I suppose just elaborating on something what you said there, Diane. Um, I suppose just one thing, um, like you can go out one week and you can play a good game and you're the best girl in the world or be the best boy in the world and you go out the next week and you play a bad game and you're the worst in the world. So um, the way I look at it is, I think you're you're only as good as your last game. Like, yeah. so if you play well, the next day you go out. Like, you're not a robot. You can't play well every day of the week. So you kind of have to accept that things are going to go wrong. Like, it's life. Things go things go wrong in normal life. Things are going to go wrong in sport. And you kind of have to accept that. But I suppose for me, what really motivates what motivates me is definitely my family, and it would have to be my two parents, my mother, and my father. Um, I suppose after winning big games. They're the first people who I look to. Obviously, it's my teammates. I'm delighted to win it with them. But the first people I want to see after a game are my parents. And I suppose seeing the emotion that they bring to games and, like, the enjoyment that they get out of me. Like, they've been, they're up in Donegal there at the weekend. Drove four, five hours up and down just to see me play. So I suppose when I'm lacking motivation, I think of them and I think of my family, my brothers and stuff, who get such enjoyment out of me playing and stuff like that. So... That's probably the the main source of motivation that I get, and it definitely comes from them in particular. 
Yeah, I love the way you had that attitude and you said about your parents and, and I know how much um, it means to you putting on that tip jersey, but the fact that you're representing your club as well. Yeah, it's massive. Look, I think it's massive for any club really when they have um, when they have county players. In here, we're actually lucky to be four or five girls playing on the county team. But um, I suppose it's all voluntary work in the club and yeah. people, the coaches and stuff who trained us from underage, they must be very proud looking on to see us playing for Tipperary now. Like, as you're younger, you don't just learn things on your own. You learn things from other people. And even now at, at this age and even going on to your 30s and stuff, if you're still playing, you're continuously learning of people around you, coaches around you, players around you, giving you tips. So um, it definitely is. It's, I suppose, look, after County, you always go back to your club and it's where you began and it's where you started. But, um, do you, um, do you carpool yeah. Ashing then from Kerry then to county training? Um, can't, no, because my tra- our training is actually on in Kerry, so I'm only 10 minutes at the road, so it's grand. Um, yeah, are you, are you kind of happy about that so that you, you don't have to put your teammates through your music choices? Ooh. Um, <laughs> yeah, my, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I kind of enjoy it to be honest. Um, it's so close because training on a 10 o'clock for Sunday morning for me out of bed at 10, 10 to 10 to 10 and away I go. <laughs> yeah, well, you what actually you picture that. <laughs> what would you be yeah. listening to in the car on the way, Ashley? What kind of music would you have on though? Oh. Um, so I'm not the usual kind of um, pop kind of um, <laughs> fan. I'm actually quite a country girl. I love the country music, a bit of tip. I know, FM I have to say, I did the same, so yeah, well done. Yeah, so coming home, anything, if I'm ever in a bad mood, um, or anyone wants to cheer me up, throw on a bit of Nathan Carter or a bit of Christy Moore, um, puts oh, me no, in a great mood, Derek mood I love Just it. looking at Derek Ryan, not even <laughs> listening to him, would cheer me up, yeah. I have to say. But well, hopefully you get front row seats now for whatever country music festivals they're local to uh, Tipperary now this year. I know, yeah, I'll have that. And if I have don't, you, um, I'll go up and I'll sneak up there and sit up there. <laughs> well, uh, rumour has it, I'm sure Denise will talk about it uh, after the, the Ladies of Ireland two years ago, what sneaking you can uh, get up to. I just have a question for you. Have you seen the, um, you know, the LGFA clip that they did on Breda Kelly, you know, a proper fan? Have you seen that? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. They should, I think they should do one with your mum as well. With my mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because look my, at the journey she took on at the weekend, yeah. Yeah, and actually it's quite, we flag her actually because she never played football. Like her, her my, like my mum's side of the family now wouldn't be football oriented, whereas my dad's side would be very much so football oriented. But um, like mum, like obviously myself, my brothers, my, my dad are very into football in Ireland, but like some days you kind of, you're kind of, you're on the pitch so many times a week you don't really want to be there anymore. But mam nearly would force you to go see a match if there was a match on local. Like you can't, we actually can't take her off the field anymore. If there's any match on, be it under sixes to junior B men's or women's, she's going to be there. Like no matter who's saying, look, we can't. She's like a magnet these What's days. What's she like though on the sideline? Um, she, I think she's. I actually don't know. I don't really hear her. It's sad. It's sad. I always hear. But the last day, um, I got yellow cards actually against Sunny Gall. And I ran over anyway, running off the sideline. And there the two of them were smiling at me, being like, what did you do that for? And I was like, ah, she loved, you know, it happened. And she was laughing at me, laughing at me and hit me in the cross the back and into the dugout. You know, the kind of a, there's a bit of banter there as well about it. But I know she's brilliant in fairness. And I suppose, look, I know Neve Kelly and I know her parents are very um, supportive as well of Neve and Grace in particular. So I feel like we can relate a lot with our parents in terms of, like, there's no journey long enough for them anyway. They'll go anywhere. If it's a match done in, in Antarctica, they'll find some way of going there. So, um, yeah, but it's brilliant, true. really. It's nice. It's nice to have. 
I'd always say it as well that like that that level of pride that you know my parents will have that your parents you know have of you and the Kellys and every other player around the country like that's you know as you said like from the motivational aspect like that's who you do it for because you can only play for so long and you're only going to be able to bring them that level of joy for for so long and it's just so nice to see the happiness that they have and um you know from an emotional aspect i'm sure now there were tears of joy you know when you won the all ireland two years ago and the pride when you're going into the local national school and so on was there yeah and i suppose mom actually has a secret um Actually, the last year we were playing Tyrone in the league, and like I think it was only the second round of the league, like nothing too serious. Well, it won't be a secret so now, whatever it is. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. Um, it wasn't anything too seriously. And Mum came up to me. She normally, I know when she's crying because she's the sunglasses on the head and the sunglasses come down to hide her from her tears, like. And um, I suppose I went up to her after the game and she was crying, and I was like, "What are you doing? There's no, there's no need to be crying." And she was like, "Oh, I'm just so proud of you." And this was round two of the league last year. And I suppose after meeting them in the um, Arsenal Learning Intermediate last year, the year before, sorry, the two of them were bawling crying. And I suppose they, all, they always, both my grandparents have passed away, like on both sides, so they're always kind of saying to me after matches, should they start me off crying then? Being like, I just wish our parents were here to see you play and stuff like that. So I suppose it is very emotional. Like, I'm very kind of emotional side when it comes to sports. I see, like, sport is great and you love playing it. But what I look at is, like, your parents or my parents, for instance, or like the community that comes yeah. with sports, the social aspect, like I wouldn't be talking to you on this now only for playing football. Do you know, the amount of people that you meet and the friends you, the friends you make is absolutely amazing. And I suppose for just as a side thing, I suppose like you could be sick and wherever you are, like there's always yeah. a jig you always want to get around you. Um, fundraisers for someone who is sick or someone who is ill, like it's much more meaningful and there's more meanings and emotions to it other than just going out in the field and kicking a football. It's much more than that. And I suppose like I can never, when I ask these questions about my parents and stuff, I can never actually put it into words of how much like I adore them and how much I do it for them and play football for them to get the enjoyment out of it. Yeah, you um, mentioned so, friends part. Like I would have heard of Diane and I would have saw you, Diane, but um, I wouldn't have known who you are until Diane came to manage Longford. And it became a kind of a professional relationship, and then it grew into friendship. And that's what six or seven years, yeah. maybe more down the line. And you can't I, get rid I of me. No, but isn't isn't it amazing though? Yeah. Like how, like even for instance, like I, when I'm playing college football, I'm playing against girls I might have met playing monster intros or like maybe a blitz when we were twelve and. We were getting each other's Snapchat names or something, and you know the way to carry on. You're going to discos and stuff like that, and how you build such a, there's such a community and it's such a small community as well. Um, I love that relationship you have, though, and I love the relationship you have in DCU. It just seems to, because I remember, you know, with Ashley and Sheridan would have things up, and yourself, Ashley and Sarah Rowe, like in all fairness, that's some team for DCU. But you, you've got this great friendship and camaraderie, and I suppose that's why you were successful with DCU. Yeah, um, it was actually quite nice. Like um, the four of us were living together last year. Um, it was it was funny actually. Obviously, I got a, a lot of flagging from my antics of off the pitch sessions and stuff like that going to the gym. But never. I and it was never actually, your time to cook. It was never your turn to cook. No, it? never. I always went out to gourmet food parlor. Was, was what kept me living last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I lived. But um, 
Yeah, no, it was actually quite a nice balance as well. Like, like I suppose you can really, no matter where you go, you can always relate to someone who plays football. Yeah. Um, there's just an automatic kind of connection there. Like, if someone plays football, you're kind of, it's mean as if you know each other with 10 years and you probably only met her for five minutes. But I suppose it was a nice balance, you know, from between me and the girls. Like, um, we had this rule on a Sunday evening that when we came from league matches that it was banned from talking for the week. And we actually never spoke, even though we went college training and had matches, we never spoke about football for the week. So then we were all excited again. Sure, everyone loves talking about football. Let's play football. And we were all excited then come back on Sunday after the league to start talking about football again. But yeah, no, it was very nice. And I suppose, I think the friends you make in college are your friends for life and they're your best friends. And there's a nice variety of counties there. And it's interesting when we're playing against each other now and how we how we deal with each other. We're and, at the, and at the moment then, like Ashley and, you know, I suppose Denise can vouch for this because obviously with Warfare's podcast and all of the articles that Denise does with, you know, for ladies football with county and clubs all over the place, actually, in schools. Like, isn't it a really exciting time <clears throat> to be associated with the Ladies Gaelic Football Association in, yeah. I suppose, what they're doing and where it's progressing to? Yeah, it's massive. Um, it's Even in the last year or two, it's been, it's after growing massively. And I suppose the person who always stands out for me is Martha Lambert, our captain for Tipperary. She kind of always says to us how she would love to be our age again growing up because obviously they had none of this when they were growing up. And I suppose, Diane, you can relate to it um, in yeah, terms sure. of like, even for instance, the live streaming that's, that's happening this year. And I see that they have sports file nearly at all the league games. Like that wasn't happening last year at all. It would have only been the semi-final or the final. I suppose it's brilliant the, how fast it's going. It's going incredibly fast. And like even within a year, like it makes an awful difference. Like if you're comparing last year to this year of how the live streaming is there, like sports filer at every game, every time you come off your phone after a match, there's reports straight away after every match and stuff like that, keeping people really informed. But I think it's brilliant for the youngsters as well going up, um, playing ladies football or whatever it is, be it Irish dancing or um, horse riding or whatever. I think there's an awful lot of distractions out there, out there these days for young kids in terms of social media, um, keeping up with the latest, as you know, Tommy Hilfiger coat or sometimes you see them and they're all wearing the same clothes yeah. there's, no, there's no one different and I suppose with football you kind of get that balance because like I felt as I was growing up when I was younger I kind of always um, I wouldn't say that I was different or anything but I never really fell into that kind of following the crowd kind of thing like this whole up to date kind of clothes and you know having having the right the next new bag or whatever and I suppose it's just brilliant for young girls these days that they have role models now to look up to and I suppose with the whole 2020 campaign as well, um, can't see, can't be, like that's been an awful lot in terms of promotion for a lot of different sports. So it's brilliant to see and I'm sw- I'm, I am I'm suppose it's only going, only going to get better, really. The organisation themselves, like I, I was following them on Twitter during Congress um, this weekend and even the CEO, Helen O'Rourke, like during her speech, you know, they tweeted that she actually thanked the players and that's down to the games that the players yeah. are providing for, for the likes of us. It's the product, Diane, it is, yeah. Absolutely. And it, they said that without the players and everything that they offered, there'd be no organisation and it wouldn't be going as well. Mm. So it's just, that's the likes of you, your county, your club, Ashley, like that's, you're, you're making this. And it's really nice to see the appreciation as well. Yeah, and I suppose you always kind of love it if it was your job playing football because I, you kind of enjoy it so much that you kind of don't think of those aspects. Like, you know, as in, one thing you do have to do is, like, you kind of have to display a good level and standard of football in order for people to come and watch your game. And I feel like the standard of football and the skills have improved massively in the last five to six years. So people are actually seeing it as a better game 
some actually compare it to the men's and say it's a better game yeah. to watch. But I suppose, like, as us as footballers and stuff, like, we're actually just going out there doing something that we enjoy. And, like, unknown to ourselves, like, the, we're probably influencing ladies' football and it's probably become a bigger and better sport. But, as I said, I wouldn't mind getting paid for it because, um, as my job or something like that, because we just go out and enjoy it. And I suppose, at the end of the day, like, we wouldn't be here only for Helen O'Rourke and them um, running the organisation. All the volunteers are involved, or even yourselves here promoting the game. Like, it's absolutely brilliant to see the amount of people have got behind it and are backing it and they're pushing it in the forward direction. You mentioned a job. Um, when you went to teaching now, would you like to be involved in the coaching? Because, you know, I love your attitude and it would be absolutely brilliant to have someone like you on the line. Um, <laughs> uh, I I don't know now. Um, I think I'm well able to kind of talk to talk when it comes to coaching. I don't know if I can actually go preaching, <laughs> preaching into practice. But, um, yeah, no, um, it definitely is, I suppose. Maybe I, down the line I might like to get involved in a club team or a county team or even, I suppose, I get a lot of enjoyment from young kids. Um, they, like, even kind of helping out in school at the minute. And I suppose when you go in on a Monday morning, you can kind of be cursing and you'll be like, oh, God, Monday morning, like, starts the week and it's 8 o'clock and it's first back in bed. Next thing you meet a young, a young sir who is full of energy, beaming. I suppose you get so much, you get so much energy and, like, positive energy off them and stuff. And they excite you and they challenge you as well. They keep you on your toes. But, um, you know, definitely when I'm, when, I don't know, when I'm finished at all, um, I probably will. I'd love to get involved with a county or a college team and maybe have some out in some way. I don't know how good I'd be. I'm fairly terrible, I'd say, but try give it a try. <laughs> I should just tell them all your stories about your press-ups and your frozen peas and Chinese and that, you know. It'd be hilarious trying to turn around and preaching about eating healthy and doing good gym routines, and then there is I growing up doing nothing. But um, I'd be lying to them. <laughs> the, um, the kids in Tipperary are doing very well in schools as well, in terms yeah. of uh, development players. <laughs> Yeah, there's a massive emphasis. Um, I suppose the Tipperary Ladies County Board in particular are putting a massive emphasis on their underage at the minute. Um, because it's gone wicked exciting there the last years. I suppose when we won Indonesia All Ireland, um, there actually wasn't really that much of a hype, but after winning Division Two now last year, the place nearly went crazy back home here and Tipperary youngsters and stuff like that. And I suppose, like at our match there in um, when we were playing Dublin in our Finland there in Tip, the amount of youngsters at the game that wouldn't have been there last year. And I suppose look, Lorenzo Clomel after doing the double um once their schools a finals there during the week, so that's another positive thing for Tipperary Ladies Football going forward. But look, I suppose you kind of, I kind of am very passionate about um like zoning in on your underage and the younger girls and getting them enthusiastic about it because at the end of the day, there's no point um concentrating on your senior team or your intermediate team or your junior team. Because at the end of the day, people are going to retire, people are going to get injured, they're going to, other things are going to come into play, they're going to go travelling, and you're going to rely on them younger girls then to come in and step up to the mark. So, yeah, it's exciting back home here, here in Tip, and it definitely is it definitely is going in a positive direction. Well, listen, it's the future, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think a lot, I think, I think, I've probably noticed this year in particular, I feel like even looking at Mick Bohan there now, um, he's been, I think when we played them, they had only four or five girls starting. Um, and he was giving everyone else a run and I suppose it is the future and he realises too that he's not going to have the same 15 going out every day of the week and he's building, he's building a massive squad there going into the championship and a very strong squad at that so I think it's brilliant to see and like it's it's brilliant that people are getting their opportunity to take the jersey 
and um, it can only again add to the whole thing of ladies football and it becoming a better game and a better sport for everyone to watch. Exactly. Listen, Diane, seeing that um, Ashley is a real competitor and she's a fantastic trainer, would you like now to have her um, to manage her or coach her? Um, Football-wise, yes. Let me <laughs> think about this for a while. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah I'd love her. Yeah, I'd love to have her. I mean, like from my point of view, from I suppose just getting to know you over the last 40 or 50 minutes, um, your, your attitude... Yeah. is incredible. I can see how you would bring people, inspire people, um, and you'd be an absolute role model no matter what way, you know, you probably don't want to hear it, but it's just a fact. Um, yeah. Just even your attitude towards football, um, your motivations and why why you do it. And apart from the fact of not being able to do the press-ups and stuff <laughs> like that, you could probably carry buckets very well, and she, there's a role for that too. But, um, yeah, I think, like, from my point of view, if, you know, God, who wouldn't want you on their team? Like, and just going outside of all that, like the talent that you have as well, yeah. um, and just your whole, I suppose, outlook on why you do it and what you do it for, and how much you enjoy it and what you get from it. Um, yeah, you'd be an incredible leader and role model without even realizing it um, on anything. Anyone would love to have you. Yeah, isn't she so modest though? I know we can have the slagging and the banter, but we're actually being serious now. Actually, we're being well, nice I, to you. I know now after a game, like if I ever feel a bit down on myself after doing something poor, I'll ring you <laughs> on for, for a bundle of compliments. For a bundle of compliments. But, um, no, yeah, no, no, myself and Diana are the type of people, though, if anyone knows us, that we will say it as we see it. And uh, no, you're, it's just, isn't it? It's your attitude. I think the fact that you're so laid back and you kind of, you know, brush it all off is a great way of going out, you know, and not take things too serious. You know, you said that because in this world, you know, there is far more serious things. So, you know, sport is only a sport. Yeah, it is only a sport. And I suppose probably where it all began for me is when I was younger. Um, often I've been at matches over the summer there and, you know, I've seen young girls cry probably age six, seven, eight, nine, ten, up to 14. And I suppose the first game I played, probably my county final, I started crying. And I came home to the wooden spoon waiting for me at the door and I got a smack <laughs> saying things on us. I suppose my father... And I suppose he taught me that win or lose, always go and respect the opposition and hold your head high and smile at them and don't ever take things too seriously. Um, I think a lot of people kind of get up and get caught up in the seriousness of it all. Um, you know, it, at the end of the day, like, we're not getting paid for it. It's something that we enjoy and people need to see the enjoyment side of it. Um, I suppose, look, I take, I take things very seriously in terms of when I see players getting criticised. Um, for instance, Tony Kelly, um, a clear hurler. He probably was one of the best players yeah. in the country. Still is one of the best players in the country. Um, he was playing with his club there two or three years ago in an all Ireland final. And he he basically, he scored, I don't know what, ridiculous amount every game on it. And of course, obviously, when he came to the all Ireland final, they double marked him. And I just said I'd look at Twitter to see what kind of things were people saying about yeah. them. And I looked at it and I could not get over the criticism he was getting. And I was just like, this man, he's out there... Um, He's like, it's a sport, it's his hobby, and here he is getting all his criticism. And I suppose, you know, people need to kind of, our supporters and stuff need to take a look at themselves even and be like, these people are actually humans. Like, I was looking at Jackie Terrell's um, documentary there and TJ Garher recently, and, um, like, you kind of look on to these people, or even even a professional, and you take Johnny Sex in the world, Robbie yeah. Pair of the Year, and you're looking at him, like, just that they're getting so much criticism these days, and you're looking at him, and you're like, you know what, he's unstoppable. 
he's getting paid, like, he should be doing everything perfect. But at the end of the day, Johnny Sexton has a brain. So does Jackie Terrell and so does all of us. And, and Tony Kelly. Well. Yeah. yeah, and they have emotions. And, like, they all are human at the end of the day. They're not robots. So, like, yeah, but I you feel know like, that old um, saying, though, a pat on the back is only a few inches away from a kick in the arse, so... I know, yeah, and I know, yeah, and it's gas, and I suppose it's something, even looking at the Irish rugby and the criticism that they're getting these days, mm-hmm. and you're kind of like, like, just because they're getting paid, they are humans, like, like they have yeah. emotions, and, like, little things can bother them too, just because they are probably, he's probably at the best um, standard in the world, and he's probably playing his best games, and best games ever this year as well, and, I suppose, I was actually, another time I was sitting in, um, I went to all Ireland semi-final, Waterford were playing Kilkenny in a replay in Semperfadio in Turles. And I don't know if you ever heard of Austin Gleeson, he's, yeah. he's unbelievable yeah, centre-back for Waterford. Yeah. And I was standing there and Austin took a shot from the other 65 and it just barely went wide, like there was only inches in it. And the supporters behind me, they were cursing and they were calling him everything under the sun. And I was just shaking my head. And next thing, the next ball that came, Austin caught an amazing ball over the heads of about five Kenny players. And sure, Austin was the best best man yeah. in the world. They they had compliments going for him. So I suppose, like, it's hard as a sports people, and I think it's even harder for men at intercounty level to kind of, like, put all the negativity aside and just, like, I suppose I channel my brain to just say, I'm here, this is me, this is my team, and it's my family. And outside of that, what everyone has got to say, I'm just like, you're not part of this. You're an outsider. I'm dealing with people, the things that I control and the people who actually mean the most to me. And I suppose that's how I look at it, really, to try to kind of get out of the whole negativity zone. You think as um, time moves forward, there will be, you know, the more and more popular um, ladies get at football becomes, the more, you know, the players will be under the microscope of the pundits and the critics like you know it's yeah. part and parcel of popularity that you put yourself in a position where you can where you're going to be susceptible oh. to that kind of yeah idea. oh 100 percent. i think like as a game like i think it comes in part and parcel with everything like um with sports like you are if you're like if you're playing well obviously you play a bad game you're going to be criticized but it's i suppose personally as a player i think i think media are entitled to that as well like it's it's their job obviously and they're entitled to go to the team and like criticize who they feel didn't play or fall off to the standard. So I think I think they have a right to that and I I don't see any issue in that whatsoever. But I think just talking from the players' point of view for themselves, I think that um they just need to kinda of have to channel your brain to just um not think about it or like just think the way I think of it is they're out there, they're not got to do with me. They don't know me. I'm here in the team. Um, like my management know me, my family know me, the players know me, and you just kind of have to channel your brain away from that negativity. But I definitely think media are entitled to to criticise. And as you said, with ladies football going on the up, like even this year in particular, the amount of journalists that were at the yeah. I was at the little league launch, the journalists yeah. that was there actually stunned me. And I suppose there's more and more and more people going to get involved every year, especially we're at the all there for the free dinner. That was it. <laughs> yeah, the free dinners. Yeah, pity there wasn't a few beverages after. So would have enjoyed that as well. <laughs> yeah, we could have got up up to, to dance away. Listen, um, yeah. Ashley, we'll have to do an Ashley Maloney the sequel or part two because we could go on forever. You know, she's the type of person that um, you're just fantastic to talk to because you're very at ease. You're you're very honest, uh, very modest, and you uh, like a bit of banter as well. Yeah, I suppose. Look, I suppose. Um, I think. As you probably all well aware, I'm, I'm I love a good slagging like I nearly take nearly take it too far at the time, but I suppose look even outside of sport and life, I suppose look um everyone's dealing with their own situations in life, and I suppose if you wake up in the morning and 
take on the day and just say to everyone be positive today about everything and like no matter who you meet on the street and no matter who you meet in sport like we could go out in a in a game and meet a ref and the ref could be the worst person in the world but that man probably has to go home or that yeah. woman has to go home to deal with some situation at home so i suppose just outside of sport in general i suppose just um i probably i don't know if i do come across as being positive but i suppose um myself like getting up in the morning i could grunt about going to college but why grunt if why feed the negative thing if you can just feed the positive thing and get up and get on with the day like and guys over and done with so I suppose that's how I kind of look at things um in that way and I suppose having the banter and slagging is my kind of process in doing that to keep me kind yeah. of happy and smiling and keep my um as they say like there's nothing that will put you in a good mood better than a than a smile and a laugh so exactly that's it yeah yeah well, this year uh, sports girls are um, have a new award it's called the piano lifter and it's a player that's a grafter, does so much work, but mightn't get the recognition they deserve. Ashleen, you're too famous, so you probably never get this award. So um, we're delighted to announce that our first winner is Donegal's Katie Heron. She is a midfielder and a complete workhorse. I don't know what uh, Tom Brown has uh, designed for an award, but delighted that uh, we've given um, our first winner. And because we cover all the four divisions, we will look at the four divisions for players. So listen, thank you so much to our regular expert, Diana Hora, this evening, and our guest, Ashley Maloney. Um, definitely uh, one of my favourite uh, people to interview. You really are a breath of fresh air, Ashley. Um, not bad at the old football either, so uh, keep that up. <laughs> you, you might get somewhere. You might get to Crow Park somewhere. Um, right, we'll have no podcast next weekend, um, but we will be back um, the weekend of the 18th of March. So until then, slán go fall.